0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews. The New Testament book of Hebrews and Hebrews chapter number three. The book of Hebrews and chapter number three. We're still marching forward in our series of the book of Hebrews, just walking through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we find our way to the book of Hebrews chapter number three. Now the book of Hebrews is a very helpful book that it gives a promotion. It points to Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ is better. Where we left off we were talking that Jesus Christ was better than Moses. That Jesus Christ is the one. He is the master builder. He is the one who is worthy of more glory. Then we also ended up in uh, chapter 3 where God starts to talk about rest. And we've encouraged our folks to go ahead and start looking ahead and pay attention to how many times God mentions this rest. We're going to talk about that rest more in detail tonight, that God wants us to have a rest. And that is several rests that are mentioned in chapter number four about the rest that he desires for us to have. But in the midst of this, God takes time to put our attention on today and now and so if you don't mind look with me in the book of hebrews chapter number three the book of hebrews chapter number three and if you don't mind let's pick it up starting at verse number twelve the book of hebrews chapter three and in verse number twelve the bible says this take heed brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living god but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today you will hear his voice. Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom he swore that they shall not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And so if you're the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Hebrews chapter 3? The book of Hebrews chapter 3, and notice with me in verse number 13. The book of Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, notice the phrase, while it is called today while it is called today and with the Lord's help I'd like to put emphasis on this on some of the things that we need to do while it's called today Let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're asking that you would just put our minds and our hearts and our attention on you. That we would look up and see the emphasis that you are trying to place. That you would help us to have life that is worth living As we live for today, I'm asking that you would just help us to get in the habit of following through with these things, that we could live a life that is pleasing to you on a daily matter. Again, make this clear. Let it get across. Let it be easy to apply, easy to understand. Lord, we're depending on your Holy Spirit to get that accomplished. The best I know how, just set me aside. Even now, Lord, you use me as an instrument You get it by your power and your might, by your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Guide and direct even now. And draw people close to you while it is still called today. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's something about us humans uh, when it comes to relation of time. Most of us need deadlines. Most of us need cutoff points. Because if we feel like we have enough time, what we end up doing with that time is wasting it. There's something about us and the way that we're designed that if we feel like we have enough time, we waste it instead of take advantage of it. We wait until we have the deadline. You take a student. A student could be given one month to do a homework assignment and guess when they do it? The night before it's due. There's something about that. But when we grow up, it doesn't get any better. We know something has to be accomplished later on. You've got to pay a bill. You've got to turn in some paperwork. You put it off and put it off and put it off until it's breathing down your neck. And now you've got to hurry up and rush. And you don't do as well of a job because you're trying to get it done. There's just something about that. And A lot of times when we think about eternity, we think about the judgment seat of Christ, we think about facing God, that seems so far away. and We feel like we have plenty of time to get things right, to get things fixed. Maybe someone who is not saved, they feel like they got plenty of time and I could do that tomorrow, I could put it off. We are just known procrastinators. And very rarely do we take advantage of the time that we have unless we're pressured to. But God comes and gives in this passage here while it is yet today. May I remind you how we live our lives? We do not live our lives year by year. We live our life day by day. What do I mean by that? What makes a life worth living is not the length of the years. What makes a life worth living is what we do with each of those days that we have. If you could imagine a string of pearls. And that each day that is used wisely is a nice shiny pearl. But if uh, it's not used wisely, could you imagine having a, a blackened, jagged, ugly rock that's placed upon it? And when you're done, when you've stringed all your days together... Do you have a nice set of pearls or do you have something that's ugly and gnarled and jagged? If you could imagine, that's your life. You live your life day by day. And so what makes a life worth living is do we use each of those days wisely? What are you doing with your day? May I also remind you that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. All we can do is concentrate on today. And so here in this passage here God goes back and places efforts to put our attention of things that we need to pay attention to. Things that we need to do. Things that we need to get accomplished while it is yet called today. While It is called today. So while you're still living in today, not tomorrow and not yesterday, while you're in today, there are certain things that God wants you to pay attention to, to bring to your attention while it is yet called today. If you don't mind, I'd like to walk through this passage and I'd like to bring some things to your attention and while it is yet called today. The first thing, while it is yet called today, make sure that you are a believer. Believer while it is yet called today, make sure you are a believer. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 12. Take heed. The word take heed is a nice phrase that says pay attention. This is important. Take heed brethren lest there be of in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing From the living God. Now notice this. Take heed, brethren. So here, the person of address is a congregation. If you can imagine in a congregation like this, that what is being addressed, all of you out there that are listening, we're not talking about the world that's outside of church. We're not talking about those goofballs who are somewhere out in politics. We're addressing a congregation. You who are listening to this, You that are here, take heed, pay attention, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You know, there are some people who have made a profession that lack a possession. You say, what does that mean? Well, a profession is just saying, I believe in God. There are some people who've said a prayer. They've said a word. They claim to be a Christian. But they have never possessed Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John chapter 3, Verily, verily, ye must be born again. That is a requirement. You must have a brand new life. There must be a time in your life where you realize that you were a sinner. There must be a time in a life that you realize because of your sin that you deserve an awful place called hell. You've offended a righteous God. There must be a time in your life where you realize Jesus was your only hope. Then there must be a time in your life where you personally accepted Jesus to be your savior to save you from that debt of hell. Now, I pastored in the Bible Belt for quite a while. And down in the Bible Belt, they have the culture of religion. Everybody's saved and everybody's grandmother's a preacher. You talk to everybody, yes, I'm saved, I go to church, I go to here. They have a lot of religion. They know all the lingo. They know the right answers. Do you believe you're a sinner? Yeah, I'm a sinner. Do you believe, you de- you believe in hell? Do you believe you deserve to go to hell? Yeah, I believe there's a hell. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to die for us. Have you ever accepted Jesus as your savior? Well, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Well, that's not the question. Have you ever been born again? There's a lot of people who carry a religion. They have a profession, but they don't possess the Lord Jesus Christ. You said, oh, come on, preacher. And a church like this? Oh, yes. In the church that I pastored in Tennessee, there was a song leader there who was the song leader of that church for 13 years. And then when the Lord allowed me to come and pastor the church, preach messages like this, started a discipleship, and that song leader who was the song leader for 13 years came to the office one day and said, I'm not saved. I don't take it for granted that anybody's saved. The church that I was an assistant to the pastor to uh, for many years, we had a deacon one day. He was the deacon for years. And he came to the pastor and said, Pastor, I'm not saved at all. And so he got saved, got it right, got things settled, got baptized, and wouldn't you know within the next couple weeks several other church members came to the pastor and said, you know, I'd always been fighting with my salvation and when the deacon got saved I realized that I needed to get saved too. We almost had a revival just church members getting saved. We never take it for granted that people know the Lord. We understand that people could be good mimics. People have good culture. People are trying to do what's right. But that doesn't mean you're saved because you go to church. Doesn't mean you're saved because you own a Bible. It doesn't mean you're saved because you attend all services. It doesn't mean you're saved because you're a member of a church. What saves you? Knowing for sure that Jesus Christ paid the price that you owed him. A time in your life where you personally accepted Christ. One of the worst things that happen is religion. You know some people miss heaven by 18 inches. That's the difference between your head and your heart. There are some people that have a head knowledge. They know things about Christ. They can even memorize verses. But they've never possessed Jesus Christ. They've never been born again. And let me tell you I don't care who you are. None of us, if you come down to an old-fashioned altar, if you give me a call, you meet me, nobody's going to go, oh, man, I thought they were saved. They were the most perfect people. You know what? Everyone would be glad. They would say, said, I'm glad they got it settled. they glad they got it settled. Let me tell you, you'd be more than welcome. I don't go to hell for anybody. You shouldn't either. Don't let pride go to you. Again, there are people who've grown up in a church. That's all they've known. They've been protected. Maybe they grew up in Sunday school and they've grown up and everybody just assumes they're saved. Let me tell you, if you don't have it settled while it is yet, today make sure that you're a believer. Don't put it off. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today have it nailed down. Let me tell you, everyone will be glad that you got it taken care of. Everyone would be glad that you got it nailed down. No one will look down at you. My wife's own testimony, she was raised in a Christian home. She made a profession of faith when she was a small child. She just didn't want to go to hell, but she didn't possess Christ. One day they had one of their favorite evangelistic couples. He was an evangelist, the pastor's wife and her or the, the evangelist wife in her eyes was the most perfect Christian. She did everything right and she had known them for years. And one day when she was about 14, she came in, maybe a little bit younger than that, and the evangelist's wife gave a testimony and said, I thought I was saved for all these years, but I was playing the part and I just got saved. It knocked my wife as a young teenager for a loop. She thought she was perfect. She did everything right. She looked the part. She talked the part. And that's what God used in her life to let her realize that she had a profession and not a possession. And it wasn't after that that God opened up circumstances and my wife got it settled and got it nailed down. And I'm so glad that she did. And so this is why it's so important that we tell you that it doesn't matter. You could have been a church member longer than I have here. If you don't have it settled Get it settled while it is yet called today. Make sure that you know that you know that you know that you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. That your sins are forgiven. Notice specifically what it says in verse 12. Take heed, pay attention brethren, lest there be any of you in an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. You know, it will be shown, the Bible talks about this in First John. That there are some people who had a profession but not a possession, that you give them enough time, they'll depart, they'll leave, they'll quit this. Because you can only carry on a facade for so long. You can only wear a mask for so long. Let me tell you, now's the time to get it right. You have less time than what you think. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. While you, it is still today, make sure that you're a believer. As the Bible goes on, notice something else. While it is still yet called today, encourage a believer. While it is still called today, encourage a believer. Encourage a brother. Notice with me in verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Here, the Bible is putting emphasis that while it is called today, exhort. This word exhort carries the idea to build up. Build up other Christians. Encourage other Christians. Work on them. Build them up. Help them to be an encouragement. You never know what your encouragement, your encouraging words, your loving on someone can help them through. We are all trained to put on masks. To make it look like we're not hurting. And yet, if we'd be honest, if we could see the inside of you, we would see that there are many people who are hurting. They could sit in a pew and have a smile on their face and you ask them how they're doing. They're saying, I'm fine. But inside they're saying, I need help so bad. I need help. I'm struggling. I don't know how I'm going to continue on. You don't know what your words of encouragement can do to help someone else. While it is yet today, encourage a brother, encourage a fellow believer, encourage them. It may be your words that keep them going on. It could be at the place where they're struggling so much that they're thinking about quitting, quitting church, quitting life, quitting following God, quitting reading their Bible. They're just at the thing that they can't go on. The pressure's so much, but to have someone go beside them, put their arm around them and said, I'm praying for you. I love you. What can I do to be a help? How are you doing? encourage others, love on others. Why? Why is this so important to go encourage others? Verse number 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, there's something about when you help others, it helps you. The Bible says that we need to encourage others. Otherwise, we can be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. How does this work out? Well, what happens if you're not looking at others, you're usually looking at yourself. And the more self-centered you get, the more that you're just concerned about you, the more that you're liable to fall into sin because you're just taking care of you. But when you reach out for others, when you reach out to try to care for others, when you reach out to try to be a blessing to someone else, you usually also open yourself up to help let God help you. Someone put it as a picture like this. Can you imagine you're down at the bottom of a hill and you're trying to um, trying to push a ball out, trying to get out. And you're trying to get out and they're trying to get out. Well, what happens is that if you get behind someone and start helping them get out, you find that you're getting out as well. You're pushing yourself out. There's something about helping others that keeps our heart soft that keeps our heart tender, that keeps it from hardening over. Again, when we're not taking care of others and we're just looking at ourselves, it is so easy for our heart to get hardened up. Remember, we've talked about hardened hearts in recent days. How do you get hardened hearts? By being disobedient to God's word, not responding to God's word. Well, if we're helping others, that's what God has designed us to do, to be a blessing and a help to others. It's easier for God to direct us if we're moving If we're helping someone else we're moving, it's easy for him to direct our path rather than stay still and grow hard and get roots. While it is yet today, encourage a brother. We have enough discouragements in the world. We don't have to add it. We don't have to add to it. Help someone else purposely while it is called today find someone make it a determination each and every day find someone to encourage now some of us that's going to be a challenge some of you just go to work go to home there are some people because of this last year have not left home in forever you understand if you're going to be an encouragement you have to go encourage someone They're not going to necessarily fall on your path. It may be that it's a phone call. It may mean that in today's world, just a text message. It may be something where someone needs that help. Someone you haven't seen in a while. Someone who needs that encouragement to keep moving forward. Every day, find someone outside of your bubble to go encourage. And you'll be surprised of how your life is blessed by God. By you going on purpose with forethought, to be a blessing to someone else. While it is still called today, encourage a fellow believer. Notice it goes on in verse number 14. We see this. While it is still called today, be steadfast. While it is still called today, be steadfast. Notice with me in verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We need to stay in our belief and trust in Jesus Christ. We need to be following after Him, trusting Him, holding on to it. We need to put our confidence in Him. The word confidence here carries the idea of a title deed. It's, a title deed was a document that, kept the, that was kept in the official archives to hold ownership of property. Well, here we are putting our confidence, our title deed in Jesus Christ. We have the confidence that there's official paperwork that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. We have the Bible. We have it in the archives. God said he was going to take care of us. We could put our confidence in him. We could put our trust in him. Our faith. Maybe we say it this way, our hope in him our faith in him looking unto Jesus knowing that he is going to do what he's going to said he was going to do all the way to the end we can be steadfast what is this entitled we need to keep our eyes on Jesus whenever we look at others we get disappointed when we look at ourselves we get discouraged but when we keep our eyes on him we stay encouraged We need to stay the course by keeping our eyes on Jesus. While it is still today, we need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of God. The Bible goes on and says, In due season we shall reap if we faint not. That word faint means to quit. If we don't quit, we shall reap. Just keep going forward while it is still today. While it is still today, trust in God. Hope in God. Believe in God. Stay steadfast. Don't be unmovable. Stay planted. Keep your eyes on God. When we get our eyes off of Him, we're no longer steadfast. Keep looking at Him while it is still called today. As we go on to verse number 15, we see this. While it is still called today, obey while it is still called today, obey. Notice in verse 15. While it is said today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. We must hurry. God never promises tomorrow. Notice what he said. While it is said today. You know when God wants us to respond? Today. He wants us to respond immediately. He wants us to obey. God never promises us tomorrow. None of us has promised tomorrow. And the spiritual issues. Are too important to wait, too important to pass off, too important to procrastinate. Today is the day that we decide to follow after God. It is a day by day decision that when God gives us something, we respond. Notice again, we have the phrase about harden not your hearts. Where does hardening of your heart come from? Whenever we choose not to obey God, or may I say, we delay waiting on God, uh, obeying God. Let me give you an example. If God is telling someone to obey and someone says, I'll do that later, they've already disobeyed. Because what you're telling God is that I will not obey now, I will obey some other time. You're telling no to God right now. When God gives you something, obey it while it is still called today. Make the decision. Because any time you say I'll do it later. You're saying no now when your heart begins to harden. When you procrastinate. That's one of our problems. That's what we just said. Is that, all oh, that's good. I'm going to serve God later. I'm going to serve God when school is over. I'm going to serve God when my job is clear. I'm going to serve God when I retire. I'm going to serve God when the kids are out of the house. I'm going to serve. And what's going to happen is that you keep procrastinating. You keep giving excuses of why you can't serve God today. Today obey Him. Today respond. Well I know I'm supposed to read my Bible. I'll get to it later. No, God wants you to do it today. I know I need to pray more. I think I'll get to it eventually. Maybe next week. Get to it today. Today, obey God. Today, respond to God. Don't put it off. Respond while you can today. You may not have a chance tomorrow. You may not be around tomorrow. Today is the day to decide to follow after God. Today is the day to respond to him. We see one more thing in this passage here. We know that while it is still called today, believe. Make sure you're a believer. While it's still called today, encourage a fellow brother, a fellow believer. While it is still called today, be steadfast. While it is still called today, obey. And then while it is still called today, believe. Believe. Notice with me in verse number 16. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Remember that word provoke carries the picture of taking a stick and putting it inside of a cage of an animal. If you can imagine taking a stick and poking a lion, poke, 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 poke. poke. You know what's going to happen eventually? That animal is not going to be very happy. It's going to be angry. Well, the people here talking about the children of Israel when they're doing the wilderness wanderings, they provoked God. Poke, 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 poke. And God could only stand that for so long. By the way, you could only stand that for so long. Maybe you grew up with a brother or sister and they were great provokers. Poke, 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 poke. And they knew how to poke. They knew how to provoke you. They knew how to get a rise out of you, get a reaction out of you. Some of you understand this provoking and you didn't like it when it was done to you. God did not like it when they did to him. God would say, I love you, obey me. And they go, No, no, after all I've done for you, they provoked him. Notice verse 16. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. We'll get to that in a second. Notice verse 17. But with whom was he, God, greed 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? To whom he swore that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? Who's he angry with? Remember this generation who was led out of Egypt was blessed by God like no other because they saw the power of God over and over. They watched as God answered their prayer and brought them a deliverer. They watched as God delivered the plagues upon Egypt and watched God's supernatural power as he destroyed the false gods of Egypt. They watched God as he... they let. God led them in the wilderness with a pillar of smoke in the day and a pillar of fire at night. They watched as God opened up the Red Sea and allowed two and a half million of the Hebrew people and their animals cross over dry land overnight. They watched as the Red Sea collapsed over Pharaoh in his army. They witnessed God as he provided water supernaturally for them in the desert. They witnessed God bring down the ma- from heaven for 40 days to feed two and a half million people every day and after watching the power of God watching God speak to them from Mount Sinai they heard God's word themselves they disobeyed you think of even that incident They're outside of Mount Sinai. God speaks to them with their own voice. Their response is, Moses, you go talk to him. We can't stand if we hear God's voice more. We're going to die. So Moses goes up for 40 days. And he receives the plans for the tabernacle. As he comes back down, they said, well, Moses has been gone so long. We're going to build a golden calf. Remember, they heard the Ten Commandments, not from Moses, but from God himself. And within 40 days, they'd already served another God. Don't you think that's provoking to God? After all of this, and they're saying, this is the God that delivered us from Egypt. This is the God who did all of these great mighty things. Don't you think that provoked to God just a little bit? God said guess what I have a land of rest prepared for you I have a land of milk and honey I have a land that is promised for you go take it and they go no we're scared they got giants in the land we're not going to obey God says after all I've done for you no wonder they use the word provoke it's provoking God no we're not going to obey what do you mean no I prepared for it no what because of this verse 19 so we see that they could not enter into this place of rest because of unbelief now remember that Canaan land this promised land is not the picture of heaven but it is a picture of the victorious Christian life it is the picture of rest And they could not enter into this rest. They didn't lose their salvation. It's not a picture of that. But they missed out on the victorious Christian life. The land of victory. The land of rest that God desired for them to have. They missed out on it because of their disbelief. Think about how many Christians. They're truly born again. They know Jesus Christ their Savior. But are MISERABLE miserable living in defeat having the judgment of God around them because they won't obey and God didn't intend them to live that way he had so much more for them than this and God says I want you to have a better life than this but I can't give you my rest because you won't obey I can't bless you and give you victory when you refuse to obey me And because of this, they miss out. By the way, I told you to pay attention to the word rest. It's going to continue on. But this is the beginning of that thought here. How many people are missing out on the victorious Christian life? How many people are missing out on the maximum amount of their life? Because they won't take advantage of today. They won't obey today. Remember, what makes up your life? What makes a life worth living? Using everyday life wisely. That makes a day worth living when you string those days together. How many Christians are living in defeat day after day after day? And if you allow that trend to go on, it's not going to be a life worth living. It's a life that was miserable and wasted, especially since that's not what God intended or wanted for you. Why live miserable? You say, I don't have a choice in it. Yes, you do. You have to make the choice to believe. You have to make the choice to obey. Make the choice to trust God instead of provoke him by disobeying, by provoking him by not believing, by provoking him by just not allowing him to be God in your life. By you trying to live it your own way, thinking that you're fine, thinking that you're satisfied, thinking that everything is hunky-dory. And missing out on the greatest life you could ever have. There is much more to life than this. We said this morning that so many people live their life this way. They wake up in the morning to go to work. To make the money. To buy the bread. To eat the bread. To have enough energy. To go to sleep. To go to work. To make the money. To buy the bread. To eat the bread. So they could wake up in the morning to go to work. That's how people live their life god has so much more for you than this some people just live their life christians everything's horrible okay this is great and god says i've got so much more for you than this i want to give you victory i want you to have an exciting life of faith i want to use you in a special way and you're missing out on what I have for you. They're missing out on the rest that God intends you to have. And we have Christians, truly born-again Christians, who do not have rest. They have misery. And God didn't want them to have that. While it is yet called today, believe. You understand The most important thing you can do is live today. Live today. You can't do anything about tomorrow and the past is done and over with. Take advantage of today. Live in the now that you obey God today. Sometimes people will say, I need to find out God's will for me. And they have in mind for that, that they want to know what God has for them 10 years down the road. Do you know that 10 years down the road is not your business? How do I get in God's will? By living in God's will today. And if you're in God's will today, you'll probably be in God's will tomorrow. And step by step, day by day, God will lead you to where you need to be. Are you in God's will today? Are you obeying today? Are you enjoying the rest today? Remember, the rest is not contingent on your circumstances. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. As long as God is on the throne, you can have victory. God wants you to start living day by day. Tomorrow is Monday. Are you going to live tomorrow wisely? The next day, are you going to live tomorrow wisely? We need to make a determination that every day we're going to live today. So while it is yet today, make sure that you're a believer. While it is yet today, encourage a fellow believer, a fellow brother. While it is called today, be steadfast. While it is called today, obey. While it is called today, believe. Remember, the days that we live make up our life. It is not how long we live that matters as what we're doing with each and every day. Are you planning? Are you going? Are you currently using today wisely?